Welcome to The Final Preacher, your weekly award-winning under-quarantine podcast where we talk about the Bible and make playlists. I'm Matt Cato, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. I like that award-winning is a participle, right? Like it, you, you could understand that we won an award in the past and that action is completed, right? And we're no longer winning an award, right? But award winning implies that we're continuously winning this award, uh, which is how I live my life as Zach Paris, pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry, University of Colorado, uh, Boulder. It's uh, perpetual. It's like the, uh, that perpetual flame. Thanks, Larry. We're especially award winning. Tabernacle candle. Tabernacle candle. For it? Is that really the word? Yeah. The tabernacle candle. Yeah, yeah. So the idea behind it, it is something we adopted from the Roman Catholics during like Vatican II reform, like church renewal stuff. I believe that's where it comes from. But the tabernacle candle is lit when there is consecrated, there are consecrated elements inside of the tabernacle. So most of the time it's wrong. (laughs) Yeah. So it's just supposed to go on when you say the magic words? No, I mean, the idea is for churches who have tabernacles, uh, I'm assuming I've been to St. Mark's. I've not seen your tabernacle. I'm assuming you don't have one. Uh, How are we defining tabernacle? I think it's, it's like where you're going to store the elements. It's like pornography. You know if you've got a tabernacle or not. You know it when you see it. Uh, my uh, I play the Episcopalians who are on the Anglican end of things, and they definitively have multiple tabernacles, uh, one for the chapel and one for the, the sanctuary, the large sanctuary. Uh, and it can be accessed by, via both sides because the uh, sacristy, the sacristy is directly behind the east wall of each, so it can be accessed from the sacristy and from the sanctuary. So consecrated elements go into the tabernacle uh, and it gets locked up and stuff. So uh, I think the, the symbology of it is that there's always some consecrated elements in there, so you just leave it on all the time. I mean, I think that's the... It's supposed to portray that... What it has effectively done is portray itself as an eternal flame. Uh, And I think it's supposed to kind of communicate the idea that that God is present in the sacrament literally all the time. What if uh, the elements get moldy? Like, does it change color? I, um... You will have to try it out yourself. You are capable of running experiments on all these things. We have one, uh, but it's I'm pretty candle sure it's like operated uh, candle, but it's not a real candle. I mean, I'm, it's like electric, mm. just well, like red, this red candle hanging from the ceiling with some gold chains. And it's just there. And I don't think anybody knows what it means. So if you ask people, they'd probably just be like, oh, it's a sign that God is always with us. That's probably what people would say. But it does seem kind of random, like something that got added at some point, And really, we don't really. It's a reminder of President Kennedy, I believe. <laughs> That's what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, at least in Lutheran circles, nobody has any idea what it is or why they have it or where it came from. But they know that it's important. Like if you're designing your church, you're just like going through the list. You're like, yeah, we have one of those. Let's put one of those in. Nobody ever does that, man. That's not how churches work. (laughs) Churches are like college football stadiums where they just keep adding things on and you can never take anything (laughs) away. They don't. Nobody ever builds a new college football stadium and like makes all of the aesthetic choices. Uh, Props to my predecessor who did take things away because we used to have like an altar rail Mm. where you had a kneel on it. He just like tore it all out so it's just all open space now we get to rearrange it i see brian literally tearing it out like in a (laughs) in a very visceral way (laughs) 
Oh, I'm glad though. I'm glad. Eternal ca- the eternal flame. I was gonna call it that again. The tabernacle candle. Mm-hmm. Still. still Tad's candle. Uh, Matt, I I preached last week. I did my first Zoom sermon. How'd it go? Uh, I thought it went pretty well. I uh, I, I pre-recorded because I I needed jump cuts. Um, yep, gotta do it. Gotta have the jump cuts. Because uh, what I did is I uh, I framed my sermon in the form of a commencement address because it was supposed to be graduation weekend. Uh, so the jump cuts help with that. I I did a whole paragraph of just uh, trite uh, things that get said at commencement ceremonies. You're the future. Get out of your comfort zone. Uh, like all the generations that have come before you, all that kind of stuff. And then I closed it by quoting Gandhi, Dr. King, Maya Angelou, and Dr. Seuss. Uh, and uh, so I hit all the hit all the highlights. Well done. Thank That's you. Good. Thank you. Uh, here's here's the thing that I noticed uh, that's working out really well for clergy folk, uh, and that is that during this pandemic, as you're doing Zoom worship, what Zoom worship is really going to help you do is, uh, you know, sometimes you're you're in a ministry setting for a while, and you get to know people, and maybe you know them by face, but you never really learned their names. Right. And maybe they're not in the directory or that you don't have a picture directory, but but you've been around for years now. I mean, this is just hypothetical. You've been around for years now and you're well past the time when it would be appropriate to admit that you did not actually you don't know these people's names, even though you know each other. Well, I I'd actually did this with a student who I'd known for a couple of years, but only seen like a couple times a year. And then I was like, no, actually, like, I sorry, I don't remember your name. And they were highly offended that I. <laughs> Did not go well. I've not heard from them since. Um, but uh, but this is great because you get all the pictures uh, with everybody has to write their name underneath it. Uh, and so I've gotten to relearn. I mean, hypothetically, you could relearn everybody's name. So really take advantage of this time to just, avoid Just don't call somebody mistakes. iPad 7 because <laughs> sometimes people don't actually. You, you have an any... iPad 7 in your congregation too? <laughs> Or people will just randomly change your names, which uh, you do on other calls that we have. And I can't <laughs> figure out. I still can't figure out how to do it because I want to take Matthew off. Every time I'm in a, like a different meeting where I don't know people and they go, Matthew. And I'm like, no, I just I don't know how to change it. to. Just uh, double click, man. Double click. That's it? Just double click? Yeah, you just double click on the name and you can change it. I'm having a great episode where I don't know uh, how to use basic computer skills. Or, or you can get, uh, pull up a little menu in my church. It says rename, or you can just you can con- you can go into Zoom.us and log in and change the name in your profile, and that's the name that automatically comes up. I don't think that works. We've I'm got skeptical. lots of great things on the podcast. We've got bulls takes. <laughs> We've got uh, we'll tell you about the etymology and the history of the liturgical symbols that are in your worship space that you don't know why, and we're a help desk for Zoom. Mm-hmm. All that and more, right here on the Vinyl Preacher. Boom. I have one more uh, liturgical piece of advice, Matt, during the Zoom, uh, during the the time of Zoom church. Can we add this as a liturgical season, like a non-regular liturgical season? I know the liturgy goes in cycles, but sometimes the cycle's interrupted. So I would like to see in Sunday school rooms in the future, the little like DNA spiral of seasons interrupted by this 18-month period of quarantine time. Mm-hmm. A Zoom church. Yep. But uh, when you're putting your prayers together, I've noticed... 
been to a lot of online churches. Uh, I noticed that people have been praying for first responders. And do you guys pray for first responders at St. Mark's? Yeah, sometimes. Well, here's my question, man. Are they really first? Right? Like, like when my house is Hot on fire. Takes. Hot takes here. <laughs> like when my house catches on fire, which happens from time to time, uh, I typically call 911 and then they send over what we, what we would normally call first responders, right? But if I'm not here to respond first, how do they show up? I mean, I, I want to give them all so the due credit. They do all the heavy the work. First responder? I'm the first responder, right? <laughs> I'm not asking for praise. I just want us to be very specific so that the right people get the right credit. So they're second responders. I mean, technically takes. third if you don't count the operator, you know. Where else are you going to get takes like this? I just, you know, it's a subtle thing, but it but it matters, Matt. Our prayers need to be accurate. Speaking of first responders and calling the fire department, I read an article this week. I think you'd find this interesting. Uh, they're talking about let you know. how this crisis is going to affect all these city governments, right? And, uh, of course, they've got some people that are like, we need to just rethink everything. So, for example, this shocked me. Santa Monica's fire department responds to more than 15,000 911 calls, but fewer than 100 of those are for actual fires. <laughs> the vast majority are medical responses. So this guy's like, if you were designing a service today for optimal medical response, you probably wouldn't do it with fire trucks. I was like, what? Mind blown. 15,000 calls, less than 100 are actual fire emergencies. That's crazy. I mean, we both have spent significant time in the city of Chicago. Nobody respects <laughs> the fire department more than we yeah, do. No, absolutely. It's an important service. It's, just, it's kind of fascinating. Like, it seems maybe we should have like an emergency medical responder service i agree hot takes hot takes, hot takes here. we got the hottest the final feature <laughs> the hottest takes well we already did our bulls take uh did we promised the people that we did it before we got started recording oh. i think i did have a good bulls take and uh i promise it'll be short listeners okay promise it'll be short um in the most recent episode uh, in seven and eight, episode seven and eight of nine of ten, you got Jordan winning, uh, winning the title his first year back from his retirement, quote unquote retirement sabbatical. First, first full year back, yeah. First full year back, uh, they win the title, and we've seen this picture before. I had seen the picture millions of times before. Of after the game, he's like holding the basketball, like crying, uh, kind of laying on the floor. Uh, but this was the first time I had heard that. Um, and it is a dramatically different experience to hear that than to see it. So, like, hear him crying? Yeah. yeah. Uh, because yeah. he is, like, anguished sobs. Uh, yeah. He's not happy, you know. They they did a really good job of going into his father's death and their relationship. And I think that was the clearest moment. Um, because this, he really felt, was he needed to win, like, for his father. Um, mm. And so this was my reading of it is this moment of like full embrace of like his father's death and, and all that meant. And, uh, and it's, it's so interesting that, that I'd seen it forever and thought this thing. But then when I got to like hear it for the first time, it's completely different. Um, and for someone known to be like a robot, you know, like, um, 
I mean, it's really it's incredibly humanizing for Jordan, but also like in, like for a professional athlete or for like any human, like one of the most human moments I think I've seen. Because people yeah. don't do vulnerability with that kind of stuff, you know, like. Yeah, it's um, I think it's less like it's it definitely has been a window into Jordan, like even in the interviews, like the crying Jordan meme, like he's he, he gets like even besides the constantly bloodshot red eyes, uh, he's he's a pretty emotional dude. And then he'll like I feel like both like the because I think seven was like where he breaks down talking about his competitiveness is that I think that's where that happens um, right at the end there. But then also just the way that he like, mo- like he just finds these ways to motivate himself. And I feel like I heard stories about that. Like people will say that, but like really like hearing him talk about how BJ Armstrong just pissed him off. And so he took over that series and I'm just like, what is wrong with you? But it's, it's serious. Like he, like, I definitely feel less like he's a robot and more like he is like, he's, it's almost like he's this restless person that has to like keep finding things that motivate him and keep finding things to like chase you know, like he's not a robot like like Tim Duncan. Like I would mm-hmm. think of, like, yep, I'm gonna go out and like do the basics, and we're gonna like win these. But it, like, no, I need to find something to get pissed about in order to win this game. <laughs> you know, you're trying to 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 make the case that Jordan's a four. I think is what I'm hearing. <laughs> right, like almost. <laughs> I mean, I have no idea. It does it? It man, he's he does seem to be like he's an emotional dude in a weird kind of way. <laughs> yeah. I also enjoyed this, his trainer choking up and getting oh, yeah. emotional about how he worked out during Space Jam. Yep. He's yep. been on a lot, right? Like, they've had a lot of the trainer. Yeah. But the moment when he gets emotional, uh, when he starts to choke up, is talking about him working out during fil- during the filming of Space Jam. <laughs> yeah. It's tough when you're building a monster. <laughs> more time spent on Space Jam. Where's that documentary? Uh, one day. One day. Mm. How's uh how's quarantine life going otherwise, man? Uh it's uh it's quarantine. We just uh this week sort of LA sort of announced that uh it'll probably expend extended through the summer. And the mayor was like, well I mean maybe like I, yeah, he like Got a little freaked out that there were going to be more protests, I think. But mm-hmm. duh, like, don't we all? Kind of, I feel like we're all kind of know this. I'm just basically planning for a long time at this point. Yeah, nobody but, but knows it was anything. A freak out moment. Um, yeah, and then moving into summer, like, <clears throat> just hard to think about what summer is even going to look like. Usually, we do some road trips and things like that, and wow. Don't even know. But we've at least developed a, a morning routine. Uh, oh, yeah? We get up. Uh, my kids spend about an hour eating breakfast. I have no idea. Like, they'll eat, like, most of it in the first, like, 10 minutes. And then the last, like, little <laughs> bit will take 45 minutes of, like, I don't understand it. Uh, but then we move to, we do a little morning watch where we say good morning to God. That's the yeah, timeline. Yeah. And now the girls say that every morning. Uh, And then we do an hour of Sesame Street, which is great, because that hour gives me a chance to center myself for the day and finish (laughs) drinking my coffee. It's great. And it's I get to feel good about it because they're learning about letters and numbers and things. You know, I I don't feel Mm -hmm. too guilty. Uh, And then we do our our bike ride uh, around the neighborhood, which is great because I three months ago, they would not have known how to ride these like balanced bikes. Mm -hmm. And now they're 
just going gangbusters. All right. Uh, uh, so, and then I pass it off to Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, just uh, that's how it's going. That's a, that's a lovely routine, Matt. We're starting to find some... Uh, uh, the Vinyl Daughter has um, started to settle in, I think, to this reality, which is very helpful. Um, things aren't, like, good <laughs> or great at all, you know, uh, and we, we have no real routine. Uh, but she's less, she's more stable, so that's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh... It takes a while, but then things are going to start to open up and then you'll get all unstable again. Are you looking oh, forward to that? Yes. No, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> it's all terrible. Hello with that, Matt. Wouldn't you like like it if in this quarantine world in which we're living, that you could just escape it all? That you could just shoot up into the air and disappear? Yeah, must be nice, must Jesus. Be nice. I think it's time for the text. Time. Oh, wait, wait, Matt. Wait, we yeah. for, we buried the lead here. How's guitar class going? Oh, the next one is tonight. Oh, the no. next one is tonight, but I am, uh, you yeah, practicing? I'm excited. Getting your reps time. in? Yeah. You played 10,000 times. Malcolm Gladwell says you're going to be pretty good. <laughs> yeah. What songs? We'll what but songs I'm, are you I'm playing excited. in your class? Uh, Painted black, and mm-hmm. uh, I was trying to the the other song that we played was um, oh we did do we did that uh, Darius Rucker song Wagon Wheel. Oh my god, so that was that was fun. I didn't realize that was a Bob Dylan song. How did I not know that? It's uh, it's one of those like basement tapes okay. where the lyrics are Dylan and Old Crow Medicine Show put put it to music. Gotcha, gotcha. And then Darius uh, Rucker bastardized it. <laughs> Hootie and the Blowfish. Uh, and then be less offended uh, if Hootie did it. The third, the third song is uh, "Mary Jane's Last Dance" by Tom Petty. Nice. Uh, and they're gonna try to like they were trying to get us to do like the little hammer on, so you mm-hmm. like that little riff that starts it. And I can't figure mm-hmm. out the hammer on, so hopefully they'll, I'll learn. That's why I'm taking the class, right? That's the idea. Uh, so I was practicing that one and trying to teach the girls. Uh, Chris said that that song is not appropriate for them, so. I guess we'll stick with Milana. <laughs> it's such a great tune, though. It's like, like a it's a, it's a great like, song. It's a great song. I'm learning in our class. We're playing uh, in the pines, uh, oh. the traditional version that like Nirvana plays a cover of in the unplugged. Yeah. Uh, in the pines, in the pines where the sun never shines. And yeah. then uh, we're we're finger picking uh, the Rolling Stones as tears go by, oh, which nice. is new to me. I'd never heard that before. Yeah. It went pretty good. My uh, my instructor had some difficulties getting Zoom up and going. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But we we got there. Um, <laughs> like the group setting, it's fun. It's good. How do you like the finger picking? Do you have like the do you have like the little things on your fingers? Or are you just doing it with your tips uh, of your finger? I'm just doing it with the tips of my fingers. You know, when I play banjo, I use I use finger picks. Um, you know, old town school uh, instructors are not super uh, authoritarian. So he was like, you know, do whatever you want to do. And I, I asked him, a, it's true. I asked him a question about like, he's taught us to use four fingers in doing finger picking. And when I play banjo, I use three fingers. Um, and I had a question, what do I do with my pinky? 
And uh, his answer was, yeah, you could do that if you want. I mean, or not. Like, so I, I don't do that. I do it a little different way. But, you know, yeah, it's folk music. You do whatever you want to do. It's... <laughs> <laughs> yep. My most, right. my most recent like uh, time around with like individual banjo lessons were like super specific. Like you could do it like this, but you really need to do it like this because seven steps down the road is going to help because you're going to be able to do this and that. Um, this dude's just like, meh. You know, <laughs> sure, not, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they just have so many people like doing guitar lessons that that's just. It's just more of a free-for-all, but it can be a little more serious to do another instrument like yourself. Well, that's another episode <laughs> of uh, how are uh, Matt and Zach's instrument instruction during the quarantine going. Mm-hmm. Okay, bye! Yep. <laughs> what a good episode that was. That was a good one. Good app. Good app. Good app. Uh, speaking of episodes, I think this is another edition of Time for the Text. <laughs> for the text. But which one? Oh, which one? What are we doing, Matt? Are I we mean, doing Ascension or Seventh Sunday of Easter? I believe Seventh Sunday of Easter, you get Ascension, right? Or did I prepare yeah. for the wrong? No, no, it's... I feel like they're pretty... So the uh, Acts text, it's like a little overlap. Like uh, the Ascension, it starts a little earlier and mm. ends a little earlier. And the Seventh Sunday, it starts a little later and ends a little later. But it's basically the same story. But I noticed something interesting on the Seventh Sunday of Easter Well, version. good for you, Matt. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Talk about it. Go. And then uh, and then you're doing John? And then John. John or Luke. Luke is John. Yeah. Okay. That's what I prepared for. Sounds... Good. Good. I'm glad that someone prepared. <laughs> Occasionally. Hey, seventh Sunday of Easter. We're always we've almost made it all the way through the 50 days uh, here in week nine of quarantine. It's nuts. I cannot. It's hard to believe. So ascend me, Matt, or or tell me what it is you got to talk about. Do you have ascension? Or do I have ascension? Did you say <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is falling apart? Well, look, it's seventh Sunday of Easter, so uh, let's Easter. just say if we're looking at this Acts text, you might as well just go Acts 1, 1 to 14, because that'll cover both mm-hmm. days. Uh, so <clears throat> here, I'll just read it. Luke writes, in the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And he replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. When he said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. 
Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Matt, do you know what I love about this story? What do you love? It's a story. <laughs> it's a story. We didn't get many this year from Acts. It's a lot of it was a lot of sermons. A lot yeah, of preaching. yeah. Which is unfortunate because it's called Acts. Um, not say it says <laughs> sayings. Sayings. Probably nobody would read it if it was just called sermons. Nobody would. Nobody would open it. No. Uh, Matt, I got a couple of th- number of things here, all of which are, are really good, really high quality. I did a great job this week. I'd like to pat myself on the good. back. Good. Uh, I know there are a lot of sermons out there that aren't very good, but I've helped prepare at least three today that are very good. Yeah. Um, good. How about this? Uh, this I, I was struck by, there's lots of things. This is one of the stories that you do end up getting to hear, you know, year after year. Um, and uh, I was struck by... Uh, by the question of Jesus, like, are you the one who's going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Um, uh, and that seems particularly apt these days. You know, uh, we're not going to be able to go back mm-hmm. to the past. Uh, but also echoes all the way back to Exodus of, uh, yeah, the people of God still can't get over. Please take us back to Egypt. Please take us back in time. Um, we cannot. We, man, we love to go uh, back to the future. Mm-hmm. Um, Restoration. Mm-hmm. Make it great again. I'm reminded of uh, that last chapter in Rob Saylor's Radiohead book, uh, where he quotes Vitor Vestelli, uh, our former professor at the Lutheran School of Theology at Chicago, who talks about the Ascension. Because uh, you got this great line of, of the angels who go up, and uh, I love the angels when they're like, "What, what are you doing?" Um, <laughs> Uh, at home, I've said those words. I've been an angel a lot lately because I've just constantly been going up to my child covered in various fluids, blood, dirt, uh, rocks, stickers, tape, trash, expired food. Uh, and I say, what are you doing? <laughs> That's all the angels do. They're just like exhausted mm-hmm. parents. That's really all angels are. Yeah. They, they, have a, they, they, they sharpen the point a little bit to their question. And they say, why are you looking to the heavens? And Vitor's thing uh, is that... that that what the angels are trying to get at is that if you're looking for Jesus to come to come again, Jesus is not going to fall out of the sky, but Jesus will come the way that he uh, come again the way that he came the first time, which is from the ground up. And so, so the reorienting that the disciples are called to do, that we are called to do, is to to avert our gaze from the heavens back down uh, to the high eretz, to the earth, uh, and to look down and not up. Which is pretty good stuff. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. No, that's really good. I feel like that line, that line gets me every year. I mean, I feel like that preaches itself. Why do you stand looking up toward heaven? It's just, it gives you such a good, um, it's just such a good message and it gives you a good sending. Like, what do we do now? All right, here we go. The other metaphor, Matt, that I've used numerous times, I've got a pretty good Ascension Day service uh, sermon, uh, is the image of, uh, of the great glass elevator from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. 
right? You do love that one, yeah. I do, and I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before, but it's my podcast. I can talk about whatever I want to. Um, so, if you're familiar, Charlie and Chocolate Factory, there's a the elevator inside the Wonka Factory goes not only up and down but in lots of different directions, and this this story is problematic for a Lutheran theology, a Lutheran hermeneutic. Uh, because at its essence, a Lutheran theology says that God always comes down. God always comes to us. Uh, I I'll sometimes quote, it's K- Kelly Fryer who introduced that, that idea to me. And here Jesus gets in the elevator and it goes up. Uh, and that is completely unexpected and breaks my systematic theology. And so my good news statement has been, is for this sermon, uh, that God is like the great glass elevator. Uh, that God moves in unexpected ways, but the unexpected ways in which God moves are always in the service uh, of the God who's with us uh, on the earth. You can you kind of set up a false dichotomy and, and tie it together at the end, but but it takes. I think it's pretty good. It works, and everybody likes Great Glass Elevator. Amen. I like it. I like it. Do you hand out chocolate then at the end of that sermon? Oh, that's what but, I should uh, do for a children's sermon. I need Seems children's like that sermons. Would that, uh, that would have worked. Well, next time I'm gathered with other people to do church in the year 2023, <laughs> I'll refer back to my notes and I'll have a great playlist and a children's sermon idea. Nice. One of the things that uh, caught my attention this time, tell me if I'm reading this correctly. Verse 12, uh, it says they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem. A Sabbath day's journey away. So does he ascend and he's like, they're like a day's journey away from Jerusalem? That's a good question. A Sabbath day's journey. Wow. And then they go in the city and they go up to the room. But I guess the thing that caught me there, and maybe I'm just reading this completely wrong, but if they did have to walk a day to get back home, I just imagine that walk. (laughs) (laughs) What are the, man, I just, the, the, I mean, I don't know how that gets, how that would be depicted. Is that a montage? Is that, uh, like, what are they thinking? What are they talking about? Like, what is that long day's walk? I remember when I left, uh, internship, uh, and we drove from Seattle to Chicago and my internship supervisor was like, yeah, it's good when you make a big move like that. Like I, she thought it was better to drive because if you fly, you're, you know, you're like there in a minute and then like. But if you if you spend like three days driving it, like it gives you this time to process like what has happened. And it almost seems like there's that's true. If there's like this, it's not even just a day's journey. It's a Sabbath day's journey away. Do we need that moment to like process this thing? Right. To like Let it settle yeah. in and figure out what that means. Then um, maybe that processing like continues then into the fact that then they go into this room and they're like waiting for this Pentecost moment that's about to happen. Next spoiler alert for next week. Um but that, uh, yeah, just that moment, just that moment of, it's not even like rest. It's like processing. Um, so I don't know. I'm just kind of stuck it, with man. that image. I don't know what it means. But Love it. I've, uh, I, uh, you know, clergy folk, especially young clergy folk become professionals at moving. Um, <laughs> right. Like at one point I'd made like four, like cross continental moves in like five years. And so I felt like I was pretty good at it, but then we've done two moves in like the Boulder area. Uh, and we, we did two like local moves in six years or something. Uh, and I would take the cross country move every time over an in town move. <laughs> yeah. And I think it gets at this point, right? The, that when you're just like, we, when we moved like eight miles away, 
Um, so you never finish packing because you're like, we'll get all the big stuff in here and then, well, we'll just make a second trip. Um, you know, there's never a moment when you're like, all right, we're leaving right now and everything that's, in the, that's coming with us is coming with us and everything that's not is not. Uh, so it's really hard to make that clean break. And it's not two trips. It's like four trips because you're like, wow, that was a lot more stuff than, well, we got to get it over there now. I mean, we want to come back again, I guess. Uh, and it really deprives you of this like important like marking to say this is over and this is beginning. Um, yeah. And so maybe just important to lift that up, you know, these days yeah. uh, that this is a critical time to mark the endings and beginnings. I, I think so. I mean, even as I'm thinking about like, what does the summer look like? Well, all of our plans, both personal plans, but also like our local camps finally announced today that they're canceling all their summer programs. So anything we might've hoped to do this summer mm-hmm. is officially just off the table. Um, so what takes its place and maybe like this kind of processing, like where we've been and where we're going is, is a thing we can do. I know that's a, it's a point of privilege to be able to do that, to be able to have like the, your essential needs taken care of enough that you can do that. But for those of you that are leading congregations or that are preaching, like sometimes that's your role, right? To do, to create that space for your community. Um, cause somebody has got to do that. And sometimes that's the role of the preacher is to create that space, right? In the midst of everybody, like doing what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. After uh, criticizing some of the Acts readings for not being actionful enough, uh, <laughs> our advice is now it's your role to stay. Hey, guys, a little less action, a little more reflection. Sometimes I'm just sometimes I like a good, like act, active summer too, but I'm just, maybe we've been forced into a long days, a Sabbath day's journey. I don't know. Well, the gospel of John has some good news for you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> good. good not much action uh we we read last week the last two weeks from uh jesus kind of final discourse to the disciples uh and now jesus has got to do a little more talking uh lots of talking in john uh, but this time he's got to talk to god uh who we'll call the father for for trinitarian purposes this week uh and so you get this extended prayer of jesus to the father and it's very johnny what ties it together though is some time stuff it begins with, Father, the hour has come. And the disciples are asking Jesus, the resurrected Jesus in Acts, uh, is this the time? If you're looking for some nice, like, uh, balance here, Jesus says the hour has come. The first time he uses that word is in the wedding at Cana, when his mom's is like, we're out of wine. And he says, woman, what problem is that for me? My hour has not yet come. Uh, and so it introduces this idea that he has an hour that will come, and it has now come. It has reached its fulfillment we get a lot of honor stuff there that's that's not always jesus is i've says i've glorified you on earth uh earth here gets translated from cosmos which is interesting Uh, i mean that's that's kind of the traditional way that it gets translated in in greek um but that's also the word we use to describe like the fullness of existence and not just like the earth the fullness of material existence the cosmos so it's not just here on this planet uh but you know, if you want to go into astrophysics, there you go. But I finished the work that you gave me to do on Earth. Uh, and so now glorify me and I'll glorify you and there'll be other glorified stuff. Um, I've made your name known. The question that gets raised for me in the Acts, uh, there's another good line. There's so much good stuff packed into this Acts. Uh, we are all witnesses. Gosh, where did that go? Yeah, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. We is, that, all, is that about LeBron James? That's that about a... LeBron James. We are. You is the Bible. 
Um, what are we witnesses to? Uh, and I think this text can be helpful for giving us a window into what it is that we're, we're being witnessed, uh, what, what we are called to be witnesses to, and what is the work that Jesus has completed. And that comes down to the last couple of verses there. All mine are yours and yours are mine. Unity, oneness is the work that is now complete. I have made them one to one another. I've made them one to me and one to you. We've completed unity. Um, that's the essence of what the Gospel of John sees as the work of Jesus. And I think that's the work that, that in Acts, because that's, spoiler alert, next week, uh, unity in the midst of diversity uh, is what, what Acts is getting at as well. Yeah, how do you, how do we make sense of unity in a time when we're physically separated? I feel like there's a good, there's some good places to go there, right? Where Jesus is like doing this physical separation, but is talking about unity and continued unity, even in the midst of that. <clears throat> How do you think about unity? I feel like it's a different, it's a different kind of context to. I think you could think about path. the pandemic as an extended trust fall exercise, right? And we all enjoy a good trust fall video on the internet. Uh, lots of times it, it doesn't work out. Someone falls. The one where they fall the wrong way is really, really good. Um, uh, but it's like the, the memes and pictures, you know, that your mask is not to protect you, but it's to protect your neighbor and your neighbor's mask is to protect, uh, you, uh, that sort of healthy codependency, um, I think is, is a realistic and accurate image of what that unity looks like. And, and not only what the unity looks like, what the, how necessary unity is right now, um, that unity is the way of life. And that the unity that, that God has in mind is unity for this world, for the earth, for looking down at your feet and the feet of your neighbors. That's weird. But uh, <laughs> but not some sort of spiritual, otherworldly, ethereal unity. Amen. So I'm also like on that note, uh, I always get stuck on these little connections. But so the angels are like, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? And maybe the response is, because that's what Jesus did. He says, right, it's right here. He goes, he looked up to heaven yeah. and says, Father, the hour has come. Like, every time you think that it's uh, black and white, it's like, here, let's do this little wrinkle in. I mean, it, it, I, I think there is an invitation to think about, like, the um, the way that prayer works in concert, in concert with actions and how, like, how these things are all interrelated. Yeah. It's not just don't ever look up toward the heavens. No, <laughs> but, right? Just trying to complicate it. Yeah, no, there's a de there's a definite tension, right? I mean, that's the tension we got at, like that Jesus whole ascension breaks my like my my constructed theology, and that doesn't need to like doesn't mean I have to throw out my my constructed systematic theology, um, but that it's pulled, and that's just a part of what life is. I wonder if I should like so uh, in my congregation, one of the traditions. That existed long before I arrived with us, like, we do the prayers of the people, everybody joins hands for the prayers of the people because we were living pre-pandemic, which mm -hmm. <laughs> actually touch other humans. Matt, are you uh, going to be the Eden. pastor to restore it when we hold hands when we pray? Yes, yes, I am. Okay, thank you. <laughs> but at the end of the prayer, uh, everybody, like, lifts up their, their hands. So, like, we lift these prayers to you. And if I forget to do it, everyone's kind of like, what? Like, you didn't, you didn't do the lift your hands <laughs> thing. Like, you got like, it's, it's that important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like a tabernacle candle. <laughs> right. 
But I wonder if like, and I'm like, fine, like I'm not gonna die on that hill. Like that's fine. Sure, we can do that. Um, but I wonder if like, uh, if we're thinking about that elevator moving in all its different directions, that it might be fun to play with that and say, okay, this week we're actually gonna put our hands like out, like in a lateral direction, right? Or like, what would it mean to kind of play with that image, right? It's we're gonna push them down into the dirt. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, what would that even? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just like it invites you to think about uh, if you're used to doing something a certain way or thinking about the cosmos in a certain way to play with that image and push it a little bit. Um, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily like changing, like stop. It doesn't mean you're stopping thinking about it the way you used to, but it at least like stretches your imagination. Yeah. I'm sure there's something, there will be an appropriate time when you can figure it out and make the, the case for um, one of the, uh, the sci- new scientific terms in my church circles is aerosol. Right, aer- uh, aerosoled particles or whatever, which is you know science, but you can theologize that right in like ways that we haven't fully appreciated that we are connected to to the earth, you know that uh, that, even, that even in our singing is a is a is a literal uh, biological exchange with the world we're in. You know, um, it's yeah. not separate from it's. We are changing the composition of the room, of the space, of the world. It is super weird, like, reading all this stuff. You're like, oh, that is pretty gross. Like, but that was, that's really how we live all the time. So, (laughs) good. It's good to just make that explicit. Well, what are we, since we can't sing, what you can do is you can put on a vinyl record. That's right. So, what are we, what are we listening to? uh, Little known fact, uh, Zoom does not compress vinyl. It just doesn't touch it. goes straight through. Perfect quality. Uh, Matt, I'm continuing to listen to an album that's uh, incredibly appropriate for this week. Uh, it's Haley Hendrix's album that's called I Want to Start a Garden. Uh, put Um Shalala on last week. Uh, but, you know, these texts are about rooting yourself in the place where you are uh, and finding some unity and fullness in that rooting. Uh, and she's got a song called Worth It that's uh, a track I've been listening to a lot. Uh, I guess you should know that I don't need you there, but I need you sometimes, but not all the time. No, I need you there. I need you there. Uh, so a bit of that unity of like interdependence, uh, getting real Buddhist today. Uh, so uh, worth it. Haley Hendricks spelled funny. Then I was listening to uh, Mountain Man came up on my, my deal. And Mountain Man has a number of ser- uh, a series of releases they did late last year and early this year where they're covering folks. And they cover Casey Musgrave's Slow Burn, uh, which is a part Very of what... Song. It's a really good song. And, uh, you know, fits what we're called to do, you know, to, to give it a slow burn right now while we uh, await a future that is coming. Uh, and finally, I love the, playing with the up-down nature of the Ascension uh, and you know, there's regular Richard, but then there's little Richard and little Richard has a song called get down with it. Uh, so little Richard died this week. I'm putting get down with it, which is what the angels are calling us to do this week. Wow. Well done. Well done. A little Richard song, even a liturgically appropriate little bit. Uh, well done, sir. It's almost Ooh. like you run a podcast on this stuff. He went to seminary. Did you know that? I did not know that. He went to div school for a minute, making George's own Little Richard. Huh. Good to know. 
Well, let's see. What do I have this time? Well, I feel like uh, two that I always like to do for Ascension. Uh, it's just hard for me to not think about Elton John's Rocket Man. <laughs> laugh at this text uh, with Jesus just going up to heaven like a like a rocket. And then uh, the other early, I want to say it's early '90s classic, but uh, Hands to Heaven. Uh, I guess mm. the band is Breathe, but it's such a classic '90s ballad. Look it up. Uh, it's 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 a vibe. It's a whole vibe. <laughs> uh, and then um, I just like. Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, Wake Up Everybody is the song that for me fits that. Why do you stand here looking up toward heaven? Uh, sometimes waking up means, yeah, looking mm-hmm. down to earth or looking around you. Uh, and it just seems like this is both the end of something, but also the beginning of something for these disciples. Uh, and that song seems as good as any for the beginning uh, of what they're going to be called to do. Um we were uh, cleaning the garage this morning, and I put on some tunes. And I had uh, Paul Simon's Paul Simon's Graceland because I was like, these kids should learn something other than Sesame Street. So I put on Paul Simon's Graceland, and so I'm gonna throw throw a boy in the bubble on there, uh, not because the the grace glass elevator, but because uh, uh, these are the days of miracle and wonder, and I feel like there's a whole thing about time uh, in there. And then uh, finally. Uh, I was trying to think of something for that Sabbath day's journey. Uh, I guess I'm going to go with... It's been a while. <laughs> that would be a good choice. <laughs> we are uh, definitely putting that playlist <laughs> the first week that you all go back to in-person worship. <laughs> Can you imagine if that was like the opening song? <laughs> Could you... We, we have time to work on this. <laughs> oh, um... We used to do a song up at Myla Camp called uh, Come Walk With Us, The Journey Is Long, Hamba Nafi, Kalulu And I found that on Spotify on the Invictus soundtrack. It's a song from South Africa. Uh, so Hamba Nafi or Come Walk With Us, The Journey Is Long. That's what I got. Cool. Don't forget to check out the full playlist over on Spotify. You can find us at The Vinyl Preacher uh, and all of our uh, social media channels uh matt people are listening to podcasts in different ways uh right now uh podcast listenership across the board seems to be down um i know my listenership is down and i have a personal plea that i would like to make to uh someone who i suspect is a regular listener uh but his name is bill simmons um i enjoy listening to bill simmons podcasts and uh, I usually listen, in my, listen to them in my car because part of my life is I just drive all the time by myself across town, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, uh, delivering children, going places. Uh, but I can't do that anymore, man. I'm stuck at home. And so now I've modified my podcast behavior and so that I listen uh, in the kitchen while I'm baking out loud. And so, Bill, if you could check your language just a bit, I'm okay with it, right? Like, I... My daughter hasn't seemed to notice... She hasn't like hasn't been an issue for me, but my wife does notice and does care. And so it's becoming it's a problem for me. Your language is a problem for me. So I need you. I know it's a mature conversation that occasionally t- it's an adult conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects. Um, but I need these are different times and you got to help me out. It's good. It's a good. Uh, it's a good plea. I feel like it's a little better than binge mode. Binge mode sometimes goes in a pretty adult so be careful careful i can't listen to comedy i need good bluetooth headphones though that's the next like big investment i make i've got some crappy bluetooths and i've got plenty of good headphones but i have an iphone 8 
which means I have no headphones. Little, air, little AirPods? I got an AirPod it. I cannot listen to Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, I, that is a definitely yeah. a headphone man. Um, sure. But yeah. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> You're going to keep it. Well, vinyl. Real. vinyl, vinyl, vinyl. I'm sure we'll get it together next week. Sorry, Nick.